Welcome to episode 34 of the Truth and Dare podcast. Today we are sitting down with Ashley Smith to talk about awakening your divine feminine through sacred tea. So we do have to say this is our longest podcast episode to date and one that we could have continued for at least another hour. Yes, there was that much to talk about. In today's episode, we sit down with Ashley Smith, a student, healer, and facilitator who is devoting herself to the spiritual cultivation of women and awakening the divine feminine from within. She does this through healing modalities like sacred tea ceremonies, moon circles, meditation classes, menstruation workshops, and yearly retreats. But how did Ashley get started, and why is she deeply devoted to this purpose? We take a major deep dive into Ashley's story and learn about the synchronistic events that led her from a conventional path of pursuing a college degree to living in Southeast Asia for three years, to discovering sacred tea and learning alongside a world master, to returning to the States and developing her business as a sacred healer and continuing her purpose with pilgrimages to Glastonbury, England. As we learn about Ashley's story, we also touch on topics like addiction and living a life of recovery, how the universe sends us packages of pain, and the more extreme they are, the greater the gift is, how living our purpose leads to a narrower path, and how it's all too easy to live with one toe in and one toe out, and how our current climate is a call to arms for all women to rise up and awaken the divine feminine that lives within. So Tad Tribe, we ask you, if this feminist talk is speaking to you, then come listen in, join the conversation, learn about Ashley's story alongside us, and begin to connect with the beautiful, powerful, and sacred woman that you already are. And of course, before we finally dive into the conversation, we want to highlight our review of the week. This week's review comes from a very special person, Carly's mother, Sue. Sue says, this week's theme, which was forgiving your younger, more fucked up self, resonates with me as a woman more than twice the age of these two podcasters. My younger self's feelings have followed me through the years, and I enjoy exploring the age old issues through a new youthful window, a new perspective each and every week. I especially like the idea of letting it be until I'm ready to let it go. I love tuning in and feeling validated with new views on recurring themes of my life. And it makes me prouder than ever to call Carly my daughter and Allie one of her many treasured adopted sisters. Sue, we both absolutely love you. Thank you so much for supporting both of us. Remember, if you want to be the review of the week and have your review highlighted over the airwaves, head over to iTunes, drop us some love, tell us why you love this conversation, and hopefully we will highlight you. So with that said, let's dive into this incredible conversation with Ashley and learn about awakening your divine feminine through sacred tea. Welcome to Truth and Dare a podcast dedicated to female empowerment through living our truth and daring to change. Hi, I'm Carly Talbot. And I'm Allie Van Fossen. 
Okay, so I'm going to kick things off right now with our slug in the honey, um, my challenge for the week. So I just spent the weekend in Miami with a couple of different girlfriends traveling and, you know, just like I'm just tired and sleeping in beds that weren't mine, sleeping on an air mattress that deflated in the middle of the night. (laughs) Shout out to my friend, Chell. It was a nice air mattress, but um, staying up late and just, you know, like just out of your flow, out of your house, out of your bed and um, looking forward to kind of just getting some nice sleep and uh, feeling back to myself again. So that's where I'm at. Allie, why don't you go next? So my ongoing issue with not issue, but challenge with my body is my slug and the honey. I recently went to a new chiropractor who said my entire pelvis is misaligned and I need to be on air quotes bed rest for four to six weeks while he gets my pelvis realigned. And just the challenge of that my business is a yoga business. And currently I put out one new yoga class a week and it's actually a really awesome opportunity for me to venture into more guided meditations and yin and restorative practices and share that with my community. But just having that served up to you and um, yeah, it's a nice curveball. It's challenging my mindset and it's also challenging me within my own body and body, mind and soul and making me realize where the imbalances lie, not just structurally, but mentally, emotionally and spiritually. So that's where I'm at. Ashley is uh, our guest and she's wearing a flower crown today. So I wish you guys could see how beautiful she looks. But Ashley, what's going on in your world? What's your slug in the honey? Okay, I think um, my slug in the honey right now is I tend to work in this very feminine way where I kind of just like check in and see how I'm feeling. And based on that is kind of like how I gauge what work I'm going to get done. But I'm feeling like I need to kind of ignite some of that masculinity within. And uh, I'm just in this place with my business where it's like, okay, I need to kind of like reframe the current structure and uh, I don't know, kind of pump it up a little bit, but I'm not sure what that exactly looks like. So I'm open to receive more guidance in that area, kind of just still checking in and still staying in that feminine flow, but seeing where I can improve and kind of hustle a little more. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting, especially from a business perspective. So thank you so much for sharing and opening up. And um, yeah, so you're here and we want to get to know you, obviously. Um, So why don't you just kick it off and let us know what you do. Okay. So this is always a really difficult question because I kind of do all sorts of things. Um, But my main intention and the work that I do is to really connect women in particular with their higher selves, with their true selves. Um, And I do that through really utilizing ancient practices. So sacred tea ceremony is a ritual-based Um, practice that found me when I was living in Taiwan. I do intuitive energetic healing, which has really been uh, years worth of studying with different teachers and different traditions. 
and kind of creating my own modality of, of healing. And each session is completely different. So I can't really explain what that is. Um, and I, I teach meditation. And uh, yeah, that's kind of what I do. And I got started in all of it. Oh, do you have a question? Nope, keep going. Tell us how you fell into all of this. I think I've always been a seeker for sure. So it started at a young age. I could really feel um, other people's energy and I could see it. And um, it was almost too much. So I shut down around 12 um, and fell hard into addiction and alcoholism and all sorts of like crazy, crazy patterns and behaviors. And when I was 19, I was diagnosed with a tumor and it was non-malignant, but we didn't know that at first. And uh, at the time we didn't have health insurance. So the hospital kind of discharged me after telling me that I needed emergency surgery. And um, I was gifted through the community, all of these different resources. So money and uh, massage. I was put into a prayer circle and one of the gifts that we received was a Reiki session. So I um, was in the office with this woman named Beth. And at the time, like I was really partying hard and not taking care of myself or looking at any of those things that, you know, up until the age of 12 were so a huge part of my life. So I walk into this woman's office and, and she tells me that she's going to play a video while she does this Reiki treatment. And I was like, okay, cool. Like I've always been very open-minded. So even though I was on this crazy road, I was still really open-minded and curious about everything. So um, she plays this movie called You Can Heal Your Life by a woman named Louise Hay. And uh, I just remember like hearing all of these concepts that I'd never heard before, but they felt true. They felt like real. And even though I hadn't heard them, I knew them within, you know, like I could feel the familiarity. And um, after that session, she gifted me that movie. And I started um, doing these positive affirmations every day and believing that this tumor was gone, that I was healthy, whole and complete, that my body had now restored itself to its natural state of good health. You know, these are all from the movie, classic lines from that movie. And I also received a juicer. So I'm like doing positive affirmations every day and juicing. And it felt so weird, but so good. And um, all of a sudden, you know, like not all of a sudden, but a couple weeks later, a friend called and said that he wanted to take care of all the hospital bills. Like, let's get this surgery done. You're fine. Like, everything. I will take care of it. So I went in and after surgery, my mom told me that the doctor had come to her and said that the tumor that they removed had reduced in half of its size. So that for me was like my big defining moment of, okay, there's something to this and it's real. And my body gave me that feedback, you know, that was the direct evidence that I really needed um, that opened me back up to this world that I had shut down um, 
And, and then after that, it was just like, you know, the past 10 years, I've been seeking and exploring and growing nonstop. But that's where it like, really all began. Okay, so that's incredible. And Carly and I are both familiar with Louise Hayes. I'm not, I'm not really familiar with her, though, but I would love to learn more about her. So you just reignited that spark that was subconsciously in my mind from a few weeks ago. When I saw that she passed away and everyone was sharing how she impacted their lives and um, it got me thinking about learning more about Louise Hayes. But can you walk us through, you know, you're this seeker, you're this adventurer and you've been really diving inward. What unfolded over the next decade? You mentioned you were in Taiwan and you picked up the sacred tea ceremonies there. So you don't need to give us everything from the past decade, but maybe just walk us through some defining moments that have really impacted who you are now, um, you know, during that period of seeking and finding yourself. Yeah, totally. Okay. So um, after that, like everything kind of turned into this big synchronicity. Like that was kind of the first couple of years after I really had that initial spiritual awakening because that's what it was, you know, and, and the universe spirit source will, will send, you know, these packages, these gifts that sometimes feel like, what the hell is this? This is absolutely crazy. Like there is no gift in this for me, but really sometimes that's like the extreme, the extremity of whatever we're given, like the more extreme it is, I think the bigger the gift is really uh, what's kind of underneath all that wrapping paper, like deep within it. So that was my gift to awaken spiritually and, um, everything I kind of, it was like a cracked out video game is what I would say, (laughs) because like everything kind of became like, is this real? It was so magic. So, um, I think the first big thing that happened after that was I got to meet Louise Hay and tell her my story. That was incredible and just such a dream come true. Um, and and all the while, like the first five years after that, I was still partying really hard. But then I would like be downtown and taking people into the bathroom and being like, look at yourself and tell yourself you love yourself. Like I would be teaching them mirror work and telling them how amazing they were and like that they didn't have to struggle. And I would just find myself in these conversations with people who were not at their best, but they saw something within me that I didn't even see. And then I would like start sharing, you know, these positive, you know, just kind of sharing uh, advice and suggestions and helping them, even though I'm sitting there like wasted out of my mind and so, so high. Those next five years, it was like, I was in this place of light. I was really being pulled to the light and really experiencing lots of beautiful spiritual shifts, but I was still unable and unready and unwilling to like, let go of this fabulous party life where I was, you know, going on yachts and private jets and all the best things, you know, in that kind of superficial world that I think um, we're trying to find ourselves in, but there's just no way. And we think that like that is real, but it's not reality. So I had one foot in and one foot out. I was going to these meditation classes. um, I was getting insights. I was 
doing all of these things, but I just couldn't fully let go. And then um, I had this really crazy situation with one of my best friends at the time and my ex-boyfriend where they kind of like hooked up. And that for me was like that, that next big gift of like, holy crap, I can see. I couldn't see until this moment. And it was what allowed me to kind of like fully surrender and let go. And five years ago yesterday, I got clean and sober. And that was the biggest, biggest defining moment in my life. Second or first, the second one was was really the whole tumor. And um, since then, I've been able to actualize the dreams and the spiritual experiences that were kind of, you know, alluring me and shining and sparkling while I was in active addiction, but still kind of like finding my way out of that. So um, in that first year of sobriety, my motto was F fear and anything that basically made me feel a little bit uneasy, like something so small, like there was this guy, (laughs) I worked at USF, and I went to school there for psychology. And right outside of my office, there was this one guy that worked, you know, next door, and I would always see him walking by my window. And I thought he was so, so cute. And I was like, you need to go talk to him. And I'm like, no. And I'm like, but it makes you scared. You have to do that. So even though I wasn't really that interested in him, like anything that made me feel a little uncomfortable or nervous, I had to do it. I took drum lessons. I went skydiving, like anything. And this opportunity to travel abroad came into my field. And um, I, I was like, there's no way, you know, and all of a sudden all that fear started coming up, like, that it's not possible. It's not for me, yada, yada. How would it happen? It's my last semester in school. Like, you know, the further along in your uh, college career you get, the pool for the classes that you can take shrinks. And um, it just so happened as soon as I finally was able to say, all right, what's in this for me? Okay, maybe, yes. And I started to explore that option Um, I found out that the last two classes that I needed totally matched like what they were for this trip to Vietnam. And um, I remember going into the, the professor who was leading this trip, his office, and he just like doesn't even know me. He's like, you've got to come. And he like opens up this big map of Vietnam and puts it on the floor. And he's like, we're going to go here, here and here. And it's awesome. And I was just like, okay, I'll go. And I had no idea how I was going to go. Um, but I, I, I made that commitment to myself. I said, yes, I walked through that fear. I set up an Indiegogo campaign, raised all this money, and then started looking for meditation and yoga retreats. So this three week trip evolved into, um, a three month trip in a very short time, you know, this dream that I had that I never thought would be possible, all of a sudden was like becoming more and more beautiful than I could have ever thought. So um, I just kept walking forward and and going through the the motions of believing and like saying, F fear, F fear. Um, and, And I couldn't find any retreats that were really calling or speaking to me. And all of a sudden on my web or on my Google search, it's like, 
uh, yoga teacher training and, you know, India, Thailand. I'm like, wait, <laughs> I just wanted to go to a meditation retreat and kind of experience what all of this is. But now I feel like I'm being guided to do something a little bit bigger. So I signed up for a yoga teacher training and um, that's kind of the magic that was unfolding by walking through all of this fear. Um, so I did that. That was incredible. Thailand on an island, almost died, <laughs> had street food sushi, street market sushi, not a good idea, but I completed my training. So um, that's good. And then coming back to the States, so lit up and really finding and discovering more of these truths about myself. Um, I had kind of this like fork in the road moment where all the while I had been kind of talking to this guy in Hawaii and I just graduated college in Vietnam and um, had a beautiful experience in Southeast Asia and really felt my heart was connected to that land and that area of the world so, so deeply. So coming back, it was kind of like, I can either go to Hawaii now that I'm a certified yoga teacher and I can live on this small island with this guy um, and teach at a resort, or I can go to Southeast Asia and travel. And that's really what my heart's wanting to do. But I wasn't, you know, as clear in my conviction and my, my understanding of the power that I held within myself. I was getting bits and pieces. Obviously, my journey wouldn't have looked as it did had I not. Um, but I had this book and I still have it. It's called Oneness by a woman named Rasha. And it's a profound, a deeply profound book. It's all channeled and just like so full of love and light and truth. So, and whenever I was kind of backed up into a corner, I would open it up and it would always like speak right to my heart. Like, so I uh, consulted oneness (laughs) about this. Do I go to Hawaii? Like I was really set on going to Hawaii. And uh, I remember flipping to this page and it was kind of like, you know, the more evolved we become, the more we walk this path and we don't listen to our highest truths and our higher guidance, the more drastic the consequences, you know, and not just for us, but for all of life and all of humanity. And it was kind of asking me to take responsibility and show up. Like if you are the light worker that you are feeling you are, then I'm asking you to do something different than, than maybe what you're used to doing. And I didn't want to see it. You know, I think I like slammed the book and started crying like fudge crackers. And uh, (laughs) I made the call and was like, I can't do this. We were so close to me going down there. And um, that moment that I did that, I got off the phone and I felt like, I can't even explain it, but 
it was like this cord through me and all the past generations of women in my family. And it was like, it severed something. It like broke this pattern and it broke this, this thing, you know, that was passed down generationally. I could see it and feel it so crystal clear. And I didn't even know that I was playing on this. I didn't even know that this subconscious, you know, genetic pattern belief, whatever was operating in my life, but it was. And like the sadness disappeared and all of a sudden I was elated and I felt so empowered. And I was like, Oh my God, I just cleared all of this stuff for my family. And like my daughter will never ever play out what my grandmother, mother, aunts, great grandmother had to play out in that, you know, experience. So that was huge. And, uh, not too long after that, I got a phone call from one of my friends that I went to middle school. She lived in Asia. She's seen that I had been traveling Asia and she was like, I think you would really love it in Taiwan. Um, have you ever thought about moving overseas? And I was like, actually I have, let's talk. So, um, we Skyped and she was like, why don't you just come get a one-way ticket? Like, don't worry about a job. It's really easy to find work. The pay is great. The cost of living here is so inexpensive. Just come. You can stay with her husband and, uh, her and her husband. So I did. (laughs) And for like three months, I just worked really hard and saved up all my money. And I bought a ticket for January 1st of 2014. And, um, I was on a plane January 1st, I got to Taiwan. I'm like, this is crazy. Everything's in Chinese. You know, like people were asking before I left, like, what are you going to do? You don't speak the language. And I was like, Oh, I didn't even think about that. No, I don't. Like I, you know, I was so excited and it just felt like such a clear yes that none of those things. And also at this point I'd been like effing fear for over a year. So I was like, whatever, I don't even see certain things anymore. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I got there, I got a job. It was no big deal. And, uh, Oh, I forgot this part. Right before I left, I got into another relationship with someone in recovery. (laughs) This was out of fear. And um, I think I I can see more clearly now that it was really, I was in my first year of sobriety and he was also in the program, in a program. And um, I think taking that big move, that big leap, there was a part of me that didn't feel like I could stay sober or do it without some sort of tie back home. So I got into this relationship and I knew the whole time cause we know. And, uh, I got there and like not even a month after I got there, I was like, why don't you move here too? And he relapsed on like really, really hardcore drugs before he came out there. And people were telling me, And I'm like, no, no, no. So he gets there and clearly he was like detoxing. And uh, it was a really rocky first four months of my trip over there that was supposed to be like really profound and sacred and this beautiful journey. And um, 
it, it was empowering in the way that it didn't take me nearly as long as it would have in the past. And again, this was an opportunity for me to break these conditionings and these patterns that have played out generationally for the women in my family of, um, you know, thinking we need a man to take care of us or going for the men who have these issues and can't really show up in the way that we deserve. Um, so it didn't really take me that long to say like, no, enough, I'm not doing this. And it was hard because this person flew all the way across the world and he didn't really have any money at this point. And I'm like, how can I just throw him out on the streets? But I started creating some boundaries. And uh, right after all of that kind of worked itself out, I was listening to the very first podcast I had ever listened to in my life. It's called the ritual podcast. And it's like <laughs> this runner, you know, he's like this buff, yeah. shirtless man of all the podcasts. I'm like <laughs> way into spirituality. Why that would be the first one that I ever listened to. I have no idea, but it was really inspiring. Like the first three episodes and in Taiwan, you're like, everyone's driving on scooters and it's crazy. So my scooter time was my best thinking time. And also the time that I started listening to these podcasts and getting super inspired. And, um, I got, I found out that there's archives so you can scroll through and, and look at the titles. So based on the title of one of the archived episodes, I, I saw it was called Zen and the art of tea. And I was like, there, now you're speaking my language. So I click on this podcast. I'm on my way to go tutor uh, one of the families. I taught English privately outside of uh, private school. So I'm on my way to go teach this family and I click Zen the Art of Tea and um, kind of skip through the beginning where it's all the sponsorship. So I don't know who's talking and where they are, anything like that. I just want to hear the good stuff. I've, I'm only on my scooter for a little while. So he starts talking and they're both English. So I think they're both in California and they're talking about tea as medicine and it's beautiful and I'm getting chills all over my body um, and thinking like, okay, I need to pay attention. Because I've also in this, you know, at this point, maybe seven years from, you know, that first big awakening, I've also gotten really smart that I need to pay attention to my body, to what's going on when my body is responding, when I'm having like goosebumps or heart flutters, you know, like these are moments where I really need to tune in to what is going on, what's being said, who's saying it. So I'm like, okay, there's something here. And they keep talking. And the guy, Wuda, talks about how, like, why tea? And he gives a digestible version and an indigestible version. And he, when he gave the indigestible version, which I won't share because it, it's a long backstory, but um, I just, like, remember I started crying. And it was so beautiful. I'm like, how can I be crying about tea? That's weird. <laughs> and then they keep talking 
And, you know, I'm already super focused. I'm like super vigilant and aware that there's something here. Then he talks about uh, abandoned tea trees in Taiwan. And as soon as he said Taiwan, like my phone just shut off completely. I'm like, whoa, what's happening? Like here I am in Taiwan. They say Taiwan, my phone shut off. Like this is a sign. So I, I get to the place I'm going, I do the thing and I like rush home and I'm Googling like what's living tea, who's Wuda, what is all this? And I can't <laughs> find anything. It's weird. I'm like, what the heck? So I shut my computer. I come back a little bit more because I just can't get off it. And um, I type it all in again. And it's like the first thing that pops up is this guy, Wuda, in this place called the Tea Sage Hut. And oddly enough, it's in Miaoli, Taiwan, which is a city that I had just went to the weekend before to volunteer at this orphanage. So of all the cities in Taiwan, I knew where this one was. I had been there and it was just like, what the hell? I laugh cried so hard <laughs> and um, sent them an email, was over there. Anyway, long story short, it completely changed my life. That And then through there, through the TSH hut, I met um, my now teacher, Taylor Russell, Taylor Finney Russell, and it's just completely changed my life. So that's kind of like a long version of the last 10 years. And we can dive into any of those subjects. Oh, my, oh my gosh. gosh. First of all, awesome, awesome story. story. Um, I um, felt like I, I, felt was, like I was, was watching the show of your life or reading oh. the book of your life. It was so amazing to hear. And so many um, truth bombs and nuggets of wisdom, especially the way you talk about adversity and pain as our teachers and the higher, the harder the struggle, the more the lesson that we should be learning. And um, I know that's a big thing that Ali and I preach a lot on this show, but I think that sometimes it's so hard when you're in it to see where the good is, depending on the severity of your situation and where your pain is coming from. And it's just such an important reminder, especially to women, because I think we carry so much with us all of the time. So thank you for sharing that and reminding us all of that. And um, it's just a, such an important lesson and something I care about a lot about personally. But um, I have to know about tea. Like uh, what in the, what is a sacred tea ceremony and what did you learn and how did you bring it back over here? And like, were people when you came back, like what do you mean you want to teach me about tea? I, so many questions. So if you could just unpack um, what those are and sort of how it unfolded for you, that would be cool. Yeah. I went, you know, on the internet, found the tea sage hut. And like I was saying, I'm just in these seven years really diving deep with some different healers and different modalities that a lot of people would think is like so far out and so super weird, but it like the weirder and the deeper it was, the more, <laughs> the more for me it is, um, in the, in the realm of healing. So I, I reached out to Wuda. I sent them an email and I, I just was explaining, like, I've reached this place in my spiritual world where, you know, I'm practicing my yoga, I'm doing my meditation, I'm working with these people. And it's just like, 
hitting a glass ceiling. You know, I know there's more out there, but I, I've, I've hit like a, a glass ceiling. So I get an email back. And also in this email, I shared with them just the crazy synchronicities of the whole entire thing and the, the phone shutting off and all that good stuff. And they write me back. My now best, best friend, Max Raphael, he wrote me, he's like, Hey, yeah, awesome. We're around. Wuda's here. You want to come over next weekend? And I was like, Okay. <laughs> so here I am, this little Waigoren in Taiwan. And I've never taken a train ride by myself, but I'm waking up at 4 a.m. to catch the very first train to this city called Miaoli. And I was on my scooter with my little backpack and my helmet and so excited and so nervous um, while I was riding to the train station and thinking like, oh my God, who are these guys? Like, what's happening? I don't know what's going to like, you know, everything. I just knew something really huge was going on. You know, my body could, could tell me that. So I get off the, the train in Miaoli and I'm like, oh gosh, am I in the right place? Like, what am I doing? And, and I'm standing there waiting and here comes this guy on this little pink scooter his name is Sean. He's also one of my dear brothers, dear T brothers. And he comes and picks me up and he's like, hi, are you Ashley? I'm like, yes. Okay, let's go. He's like, hop on. And I just told him, I don't know what this is or what we're doing, but I really feel like this is a huge moment in my life. And he's like, all right, cool. So we get to the hut and um, there's some other people there because it's a very international place. It's just Wuda's house, really, but it's become like this center for for Zen Buddhism and tea ceremony. So there's a couple other people there. And I remember Shun looking at me and saying, like, do you want to drink some tea? And I was like, yeah, okay." So we sat around this little table and we're all in silence and, you know, everyone like knows what they're doing. And here I am just like wide eyed and I don't know what is happening or what I'm supposed to do. And he passes out all of these bowls of tea and we were drinking gong fu. So there's different kinds of um, serving or brewing methods. And the one that I was introduced to first was gong fu. So you're drinking out of these really small like ceramic cups. And, uh, he passes them all out and I take it and, and I drink it and I burnt my tongue. But then right after that, like I start crying and it was this profound moment where I felt as if I was returning home or like I was reconnecting with an ancestor or, you know, a family member that I hadn't even known I had lost if that makes any sense. So it was a full body experience and tears and burnt tongue and all. It was just from that moment on, you know, everything changed. And I was at the hut every single weekend. I would work Monday through Friday, Saturday morning, I'd wake up at 4am so I could get there for the morning meditation. We would meditate for two hours a day. And in between on Saturday and Sunday, we'd sit for like a three hour tea ceremony. Um, 
we would go on tea trips to different farms around Taiwan. We would sit for hours with these different masters, just drinking like the most rare, amazing teas that you could ever possibly drink. Um, I got to go on this incredible tea pilgrimage with Wuda, my teacher, and like 10 other students to this sacred mountain called Bui. And again, there we're drinking the tea with the family that provides the tea to the emperor of China, you know, like real big time tea that we're getting to drink. So a lot of my experiences in the spiritual world haven't just been like me entering at the bottom and like, you know, finding these amazing people. It's like, you know, I'm starting right at the top. Like what? <laughs> so Wuda calls that good tea karma. <laughs> so basically I have, I have good tea karma. Um, and then coming back so much shifted, you know, tea is a very feminine practice. Tea is a, um, the plant spirit of tea is, is feminine. And in the tradition, it's seen as medicine. So you're, you're healing not only your physical body, there's many benefits for the physical body, but also we use it as a way to cultivate a spiritual experience in life. To let it, you know, Wuda says, when you drink this tea, does the tea become you or do you become the tea? So basically, once you start incorporating this practice into your daily life, you become the tea, which is this very gentle, beautiful, feminine uh, expression of nature. And that has really been my experience of softening and allowing and becoming more receptive and intuitive and gentle. And um, just coming back to the States was, was difficult because that smaller hermit crab, that imprint. And it's also, you know, what happens is your parents, your friends, your community, we all feed and co-create this identity for one another. You know, it's not just me that creates and takes on the identity of who I am, but we all kind of exacerbate it and keep it as true, if if this makes sense. So coming back, you know, people were expecting me to be one way because that's how I was when I left and and I'm expanded and wanting to ground that expansive uh state that I've come into but then I have the energetic pull of my old imprint and then I have you know the collective external pull of my family community friends etc um so it was kind of difficult to really, and I wasn't in as clear of a state as I am now to see all of those things. So I could feel the push pull of like wanting to be in all of my power that I felt I was in, especially uh, living in Taiwan. But it just took time. I think I went through some uh, reverse culture shock, but all the while I still, and, you know, I continued to believe that I could share this, that I could, you know, claim my role and my, my power as a healer, as a, a woman sharing this ancient tradition, you know, of this woman who is bringing this sense of remembering and awakening to people in the community. And I felt like it was my responsibility. It was my duty. And it was also just my purpose. So 
Um, yeah. Well, and I know Carly and I can totally relate because I think we're where you were maybe a few years ago. We have one toe in, but one toe out, and we have this deep desire and pull to really step into our power and our purpose and really take those scary chances and say, fuck fear like you did. But then you have a society, society being like you said, our partners, our parents, just the world swirling around us, conditioning us to believe that it's, you know, that maybe you don't need to take that big leap. It's okay to be one toe in and one toe out. And it's okay Mm -hmm. to kind of straddle the worlds. But I, I really believe that when you study people who are doing this work and who have done the work and hearing your story, that you've got to just jump in and you have to let go. And yeah, there could be like a universal kind of bitch slap when you jump back in like you did, like you came home from this huge, intense, imprinted experience. But it's like, how can you go to the depths of who you're supposed to become if you don't jump all the way in? So I think Carly and I are really struggling with that in many ways. Like we know that alcohol really puts us 10 steps backwards on our quest, yet we love a great dirty martini. And we know (laughs) that certain foods really screw with our health, yet you get into a social setting and you feel a lot of pressure to just be like, okay, I'll eat that because you don't want to like unsettle your whole family when you're all together. So all of these external conditionings are hard and it's, it's sticky and it's messy and it's like the epitome of our tradition of slug and the honey here. So, um, we really feel you on that. And I guess now if you can share with us, so you come home, right? You're working through that, getting used to being back in the States. How did you start facilitating tea ceremonies in your community? And if someone were to walk in the door, what is a tea ceremony? You know, what would a person expect and experience if they were to come to you as a facilitator? All right. So I just want to kind of touch on a little bit of what you said, and then we'll dive into kind of the experience of a tea ceremony. Um, but yeah, the more you do this work, the more you commit to this path, I have found that the more narrow the road becomes. So I'm in this place right now where literally I have to cut out so many people in my life. I've already gone through, you know, the cutting out the alcohol and the drugs and the different foods and the this and the that. And it just, you become so sensitive and it doesn't have to be and this is for myself, you know, I'm, I'm saying this to myself, it doesn't have to be motivated out of fear, you know, because the people in my life are really beautiful, but you become so sensitive energetically, you become so sensitive and, and there are things, this is going to get a little woo woo, um, interdimensionally <laughs> on different levels that we can see that we can't see that we're just not even aware of. But attuning to a different vibration and becoming more sensitive, I have also now discovered that there are things working beyond what we even see. And different, every single one of us carry a lot of (laughs) extra energy and extra entities and crazy craziness. So um, the road gets more narrow. And 
we're asked to just constantly re-examine what's around us, what are what we're consuming, who we're hanging out with, where we're spending our energy. And in the the world also reconfigures and gives you different things as well. So I just had to speak to that about the road becoming more narrow. It's wild. It is so wild, but it's so beautiful because you kind of it gets more narrow, but it also expands too. And the the level of depth and the truth and what you get to experience, you guys know because the evidence is is there at different points along our journey. It just becomes so much more sacred and like, wow, is this real? This is real. So um moving forward into the whole the the tea ceremony, I started facilitating these out of when I moved back, I was vegan and, you know, meditating two hours a day and drinking tea all the time and not wasting anything and like riding a bicycle around town. So I moved in with my cousins who were also very similar and like-minded and um, I would host tea ceremonies out of their living room and really wasn't valuing what I was bringing. So I wasn't really charging or asking for an energetic exchange that was in alignment because that was something that kind of evolved as I evolved and started to believe in my worth and what I was sharing more and more. Um, And then I started reaching out to different studios and acupuncture centers around town and just a lot of people turned me down, you know, like, hi, my name's Ashley. I'm just returning from Taiwan. And I have this really beautiful workshop I'd like to share. It's a tea ceremony, you know, like, who that's weird. (laughs) And who's going to pay money to come and drink tea. Um, So I also had to learn how to market myself and um, also unattach from if people were going to resonate with this or not and trust that the places that I was getting yeses from were the places where my work needed to be, where it would be most beneficial and most received in a deep, deep way. So a couple of studios took me on. I shared tea Uh, Some people that were coming were getting it right away and it was, you know, having a profound effect on them. Other people, I think, were just like, what is this? Not too many, though, because this practice is so, so real and so, so powerful. So a tea ceremony is... um, Like you walk through the door, right? I'm someone that has signed up for your ceremony and what, you know, what would a person see? And is it much like a yoga class or a meditation class? Are there blankets laid out? Is there, I'm sure you have the ambiance set with music. Um, but you know, just quickly walk us through what someone would experience as they come into the room with you. All right. So. You walk into the room. This could either be a private one-on-one tea ceremony or a group tea ceremony. But um, there's a place set up for me. 
And there's also a nice little pillow set up for the guests to get comfy on. And I have ceremonial grade incense and it's burning and it smells like no other incense that you've ever smelt in your life. Um, there's beautiful music playing. The lights, if possible, are nice and dim and it just feels sacred. There's this sense of stillness and, you know, almost like when you go into a sanctuary or a church, you know, you, there's a, there's a calm, there's a peace, there's a quiet and a stillness. So that's what I try to create, um, before a ceremony, I meditate, I, I chant, I burn some Palo Santo, and I really, you know, set an intention for this to be a healing and beneficial experience for whoever's coming. And then we sit down and I kind of go over, you know, like what this ceremony is that T is a really gentle teacher and she will go to the places within you that that maybe you didn't even know needed healing. She will guide you there. And all you have to do to really um, get the most out of the experience is just surrender and receive. There is nothing that you have to do or that you don't have to do. Just be there and let go. Let go of any expectations. And and then, you know, I, I do this beautiful dance where I'm pouring the tea in a particular way and every movement has a intention and a meaning and I'm really clearing my mind over and over so that I can pour from my heart, from my highest self, from truth, from love. And then I serve you the medicine, the tea. And together we drink and we drink many, many bowls of this ancient, beautiful medicinal tea. And a lot of times there are tears, there's revelations, there's breakthroughs, there are, you know, clearings, so much happens. Um, and then after that, I just, I say thank you. And I mean it, like I really bow to the, whoever's there, I bow to their higher self and give this, deep gratitude for the opportunity to sit in this way because I'm also tuning in to the profundity of this moment that of all life on earth, here I am with this person and they took this leap. They said yes to come and sit in a tea ceremony and, and I can feel on the bigger scale uh, what that's really doing in the universe of how that is changing our world. Um, there are waves that kind of ripple out from these experiences when people are introduced to an ancient teaching, you know, it's awakening and activating something within them that is ancient. And uh, so it's not just changing something on the physical level, you know, this is expanding across time and space and really changing the world. It's awakening something, uh, for all of us. Mm, that is so beautiful. And I think so true. Um, not only when you talk about spreading ancient teachings, but anytime that you're able to 
light something up in another person and sort of um, help them find that spark or that connection or that wholeness. Um, It's very profound. And I'm wondering with these tea ceremonies and as this unfolded for you, was it in these moments of connection with your students and this um, collective coming together that made you realize, okay, I want to do more or I'm connecting with women deeper in these ways or were you drawn more to your female, um, the people who came here were women because I know you work with women now. And I'm, I just kind of wondering how from these ceremonies did it unfold to you being, um, so committed to working with women, um, helping women heal, helping women grow. And if there was um, sort of a moment where you decided that that was your path. Hmm. Yeah, I think about two years before I got into tea, I started working with a healer who was training me and um, in entering into others' fields with permission. So I was, I was training with her. I was learning from her how to do this certain type of energy healing. So I was gifted this opportunity to understand that I had this capacity to enter into another's field to locate in their body where different things were happening and to help them kind of go to that place within the body and unlock whatever emotion was stored there to free it and to feel it. So I had already gotten a taste of that, but I wasn't ready to take uh, that part of myself seriously. And I think by coming back and having tea and sharing it in that way and seeing the effects that it had on people and, and, and seeing the people that were coming and that I got to start working with one-on-one and then the things that would come out of it, that, um, that helped me evolve into more of the work that I'm doing now. So it was always there for me. And then I think the tea helped me take myself seriously. It gave me, you know, a platform to be like, okay, not only am I back sharing tea guys, but um, I'm also doing this thing too, which is kind of crazy. And I just feel so much more connected to women. Obviously I am a woman, but I I feel connected to our need. I, I feel really what's happening right now is things are awakening in our, our world, our experience and the time to reclaim our power as women, because in the ancient days, we were the ones who were consulted to share wisdom about how, how to run the community, you know, what to do, how to, how to, um, harvest and forage medicine and what, what, herbs and plants to use. And we were the oracles, we were the seers. I mean, it gets really deep. I'm not going to go into all of it, but women were so, so sacred and we held the power and there was a beautiful balance between men and women, but women were really the ones that held the power. I mean, we give birth. (laughs) That is huge. 
that is huge. Um, so, so I think the tea gave me a platform, gave me a voice, and also exposed me to to how deeply connected I felt to women and helping women remember who we are and our power. Also based on a lot of, you know, the experiences that I've kind of shared with the relationships and all of that, that I went through. Um, so yeah, then welcome Glastonbury. And I think it was after my first trip to Glastonbury that I came back and I started receiving guidance from the goddess, like very, clear. Um, I was guided to do some pretty far out things with my tea ceremonies. Like I gave birth to this uh, adventure, this experience called Awakening Woman. And I remember I was sitting tea. I had been back from my first trip to Glastonbury for about three days. And I woke up and I'm having tea. And all of a sudden I have to like grab my pen and my journal and this whole flow this whole ritual starts writing itself and I'm like no this is amazing like I do this stuff on my own but no like I have to share this and where am I going to do it and who's going to come and like people are going to think I'm crazy and and no way and it was just so evident that I had to you know you can't receive these gifts and these guidances from something beyond from the great mystery and say no to it. So awakening woman is a three hour journey um, of really opening and creating a sacred space and calling on the light, calling on our ancestors. And then from that space, sharing as women in a circle, you know, just checking in, and hearing one another, you know, they're all voices of the feminine and every single story that the women come to these ceremonies with, it's like, it's, it's our story. These are our stories. Your story is my story. And I get to hear myself through you. I get to experience life through you. Um, and there's something so powerful about witnessing others and also being witnessed. So our powers, are amplified, our ability to transmute or overcome certain challenges are amplified, you know, it, it's just more powerful. So we share, we check in, then we drink tea. And then I'm really kind of this conduit where I get out of the way and, and I really feel energy moving through me and into the space. And, um, it's really beautiful and of love and so, so powerful. And, and we start chanting or toning or just really allowing for these ancient parts of ourselves to be expressed. And it's so amazing. And um, after that, like sometimes there's been, you know, ceremonies where a woman, one in particular was in a really, really dark place and, we just intuitively gathered around her in circle and she sat in the middle and we just sang like, you are surrounded by love. You are surrounded by love. You are surrounded by love, you know, or one, there was uh, just this authentic organic circle that was formed and women went in to the center and, you know, shouted whatever they were wanting to release, you know, and, and it, 
it just happens. You know, it's not me or anyone there. It's really something much bigger and much, much greater. Um, and Ashley, I know I've been to one of your circles and I came for a moon ceremony circle, but pretty similar to what you just described with the sequence of events that happen and unfold. And I remember driving to your circle and feeling so nervous and <laughs> like a good nervous though, right? I knew there was going to be some discomfort because it requires you to show up in a very vulnerable state whether you're willing to share or not, or be open to receiving, I think the energy is a collective, but just that feeling of anticipation of connecting with women as a collective and being vulnerable and holding space both for yourself and the people that are in the circle. And I remember driving there and thinking like, oh, you can just bail. Like you can just totally <laughs> bail Allie and pretend like something came up. And I didn't have anyone to come with. Obviously, I knew you and I knew some of the other girls, but just kind of in passing, right? And as the night started unfolding, it was very organic and very soothing, but awakening at the same time. So the fact that you use the word awakening within your, you know, ritual name of what you do is so perfect and spot on because yeah, we were chanting and women were howling and others were dancing and some were journaling. This was after the whole tea ceremony unfolded. Um, there's kind of this like free range motion where everyone does their own thing. And there were parts of me that came out that evening that I really can't even describe if I had to describe it or where mm -hmm. that energy kind of came from and yeah, it was, it was very profound and also like a transcendent moment where you are so held and nurtured by the women surrounding you that I think you untap things inside of you that you weren't aware of or you weren't comfortable enough to be aware of. So, um, for our listeners, if you're in the St. Petersburg area where Ashley's located and does her ceremonies, I definitely recommend St. Pete, Tampa, West Coast of Florida that you look her up and, Stop there. But um, mm. I love what you were saying. I have to backtrack about women and us being this powerful force that used to be in balance with men. And I know Carly's head was shaking through the video screen that I'm watching her like, yes, 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 because we're big feminists and we really advocate for women. And we are in this huge state of imbalance. And I think women are just now really realizing how imbalanced it's become and we're really trying to step into our power and do what we can. But I mean, we're in a tough spot right now. So people like you really honoring us, I think is a huge blessing and a huge, like a huge saving grace to sisters everywhere, right? That you're willing to show up and, you know, Carly and I are right beside you. So I have to ask you a question though about this whole woman, um, empowerment, step into our power thing. You keep referring to the goddess and how you check in with the goddess. Um, mm. can you kind of touch on that and what you mean by that? Cause I'm sure our listeners are wondering too. So if you can let us know what that's about for you and your own practice. Okay. Yeah. So I love everything that you said. Um, and 
and that's really why I do what I do. You know, what your experience was is like, yes, yes, yes. That's amazing. I love that you received that from, from the ceremony that you came to. Um, so the goddess to me, this has been a relationship that I have been exploring for the past couple of years and goddess spirituality is coming back. Um, it's deeply personal for me and it's something that, you know, it was a really, really hard road for me to just say openly, you know, God to talk about God. Um, so it's been, I think even more of a challenge to refer to my higher power as goddess, which is wild because I'm a woman and, uh, I truly believe that God began as a woman, not because I'm biased, (laughs) but because, uh, you know, of our history of the history that has been destroyed, um, of from the, the actual experiences that I have had of past life vision of deeper understanding of deeper knowing. And all of this really came from my trips to Glastonbury. So I can't talk about the goddess without talking about Glastonbury And again, without talking about my teacher, uh, Taylor, who has really been such a beautiful lighthouse on my path. And Taylor reached out to me a while ago. We met at the T-Sage Hut. She lives in California. And um, we met once while she was visiting with her husband. And we just had this instant connection. She has this light about her um, that's you know, you just, it's undeniable. So we connected and she reached out to me a little over two years ago and said, you know, I'm hosting this retreat in Glastonbury and I would love for you, like you keep coming in my field. I would love for you to come and help me. You're a tea sister. Um, like you can assist me with that. It would be really powerful and so supportive and, what do you think? And I, at the time was wanting to do Vipassana and, uh, she reached out like three different times and three different times I told her no. And this trip was like private access inside of Stonehenge and daily ceremonies and like really, really incredible things that I was saying no to. And she finally was like, you have to go. And I had this, this dream and this vision the night before where my soul, (laughs) was like a spiral moving out of my heart and like pulling me to Glastonbury. And I received that email like the same, the same day that I also received that vision. So I was like, okay, I'm going, you know, she always knew that I was going. I was just resisting it. And so that first trip was, uh, really powerful. We did a lot of work inside of stone circles, these ancient, ancient stone circles and, she really shared a lot about the history of, of woman and um, it, of our power and how all of the rituals that, not all, but a lot of the rituals that used to be held were fertility rituals. So rituals for the land for the community, for the villages. And a lot, a lot of it had to do, can I get a little weird? <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, never. <laughs> of course you can. 
<laughs> with our blood, with, with our sacred menstruation. Um, and it was through kind of coming to understand that and really connecting with, I mean, it's so vast. Glastonbury has ley lines and the energy in the land is like so potent and alive. And then there's these ancient stones. And I remember really connecting to this one stone called the egg stone that used to be on top of this sacred mound called the Tor, where uh, pilgrims used to go. And it was a processional walk to the top of this mound. And there was an ancient stone circle that's no longer there. But inside of the stone circle was this egg stone. And women would go, bleeding women would go and sit on this stone. And they would receive transmissions from the goddess. They would share this wisdom with the people, you know, in a very, very, I'm sure, intense ritual. Um, but I got to sit on this stone and I've gotten to sit on this stone many times now. And I just, that for me, I think was my, my defining moment and my uh, initial, like, real solid connection with the goddess and understanding what that means um, I don't know if I really explained what it means to me because it's so personal and it's just mm -hmm. really understanding that God began as a woman in my reality and my truth, God began as a woman and all of this history, you know, it, it predates writing, but then at the time where we could write, you know, women were doctors, we were the healers, we were the scribes, we were the the one um, planting and, and teaching people about agriculture. And then they started to take that power away from us. We are so powerful. Then, you know, I've done lots of lots of reading and research. Um, the patriarchy started to rise and they, we were not allowed to write anymore. We were not allowed to heal anymore. You know, there were millions and millions of women and children and elders that were burned because they were so afraid of our power. And um, yeah, that's, I think it's an ongoing understanding for me. And it's a lot about meditating uh, what all of that really means, you know, and it's less about understanding it on an intellectual level and more about knowing it in an embodied way and feeling it in my bones and seeing you know, through vision and, 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 and going and visiting sacred feminine lands like Glastonbury, where the goddess is very much alive and revered. And, um, it has to be awakened, I think on a cellular level for me. So going to Glastonbury, just walking that land, it's like different things are unwinding within me, you know, so I can remember more clearly and I have access to those more ancient truths of who I am and who we are as women and what that means. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so, well, it's so, so deeply personal. And, um, I think what you're doing is so beautiful because we're in, and maybe we've been in this place forever, but for me, I, I feel 
that maybe I'm in a place and many women that I know are in a place where they are ready to regain their power and to step into their power. And um, I think there's so many factors why it's so prevalent um, in my life right now. And for a lot of people, and I think our recent political climate has lit a lot of women up into stepping into themselves and speaking up for themselves and on behalf of themselves. And you're creating these places that allow women to do that. And um, it's just really, really important, the work that you're doing. And I could keep talking to you forever and ever and hearing your stories, but we are going to have to wrap it up soon. And before we do, we have to know as you move forward and you continue to heal and you continue to educate um, and your business and your practices continue to grow, how do you personally plan to live your truth and dare to change? Mm, I think living my truth, continuing to live my truth means... uh, embodying more of this uh, feminine power and and really just showing up in the world in a really soft and gentle way and letting my presence um, be what speaks for me. You know, I don't have to go and prove. Living my truth does not mean proving that I'm this or that I can do that or any of that. It's not about proving. Um, I want to, and I practice cultivating on a daily basis, you know, this inner radiance, this inner light where I am so plugged in. I'm so surrendered to something bigger than me that it lives and guides, you know, it lives through me as me and it guides me. And just by being who I am and opening up to that, my presence speaks for itself. You know, it's this soft, beautiful, loving, assertive, you know, I have boundaries, but, but I'm coming from a place of real, real love for myself and others. So I'm going to continue living my truth in that way and learning, you know, how to value myself and what that really means. And I'm going to dare to change by, huh, I really have to, uh, you know, some people start (laughs) very linear with a business, I kind of flip flopped everything around, you know, it's like, here I am, I'm doing the thing. And, and I have a, a business happening, but I don't know anything about a business. So I'm really daring to look at that, those scary parts, like money scares me. Networking scares me. Like, I don't think I'll ever network. I'm just not in that realm. Like there has to be a way I'm daring to change by looking at the things that scare the crap out of me that I, in my mind, I'm saying, you don't understand, or that's not how you operate. Like really letting go of those things. Like, I think there's truth to some of that of it's not for me and I don't understand, but I have to look at it to know. I have to like try it out before I know if I can or not. And then once I figure that out, then I can look for people to do it for me. But 
Um, yeah, I'm gonna dare to change by like putting on my man hat, <laughs> not like sex wise, like, but my masculine hat and looking compassionately at those things that I don't want to look at. Well, and I think it's so interesting because I think Carly and I are a little bit of the opposite of you, especially me. I think Carly might go straight in the middle of us, but (laughs) I am so good at tapping into my masculinity and always doing the, like the grind, the hustle, the deadlines. And I'm really bad at tuning into what my yin feminine qualities are telling me. Mm -hmm. I think it's no coincidence that this pelvic misalignment is right around my spotty seven chakra, which is all about letting go and releasing the need to control. I've always had this burning desire to control everything. And so it's no wonder that this alignment is showing up so clearly and acutely at this point in my life. Um, So I think it's interesting how different we are in some aspects, yet we all have this underlying desire to heal ourselves and heal women as we work through it. So it's so cool to have people like you on the podcast and witness our stories and our how we've came to where we are and realize that there's all this underlying goal of trying to get to the same place. We're just all moving through it on different avenues and in different Mm -hmm. ways. So Thank you so much for sharing your story, Ash. And for listeners who are in the area, and maybe you also do stuff over Skype, I'm not sure, but we'll have all of Ashley's information over on the show notes at truthanddaremovement.com. You can learn about her and find her on social media and all over the airwaves. Um, But yeah, Ash, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a really great experience having you on today. Okay, Tad Tribe, there you have it. That is Ashley's story of finding her purpose, awakening the divine feminine for her own self and how she offers it to the collective through different healing modalities and especially sacred tea ceremonies. We so hope you enjoyed this conversation. And remember, now is the time to dive into your weekly journal prompt and reflect on how you want to embody, honor, and awaken the divine feminine that lives within you. And if you're not receiving those weekly journal prompts, you definitely need to head on over to truthanddaremovement.com where you can sign up for those journal prompts on our homepage or in any of the sidebars, as well as receive updates about weekly podcast episodes and anything else that we are offering. You'll also find all of the blog posts, tools, resources, and show notes on truthanddaremovement.com too. So head on over there. That's where all the goods are. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in each week and for living your truth and daring to change. We'll meet you back here next week. Bye. Bye.